stand with us and let's sing together. Please be seated.
take that one. Yeah, thank you. So our mission as a church is to make disciples. And part of the Great Commission is that we make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded. And so it's amazing to see the mission continue on through God's people this morning. Amen? Amen. So as we continue to worship, we want to first welcome you to First Baptist Church. We're glad that you're here. And if you're a guest with us, we're extremely glad that you're here. And what we'd like to do is get to know you. And one of the ways that we can do that is through the guest registration card that's located right in front of you in the pew rack. Um, if you could take that and fill it out, there's a place if you want to receive our weekly newsletter, or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. Later on in our service, when we take up our offering, you can just drop that in the offering plate, and that can be, um, that can be your offering this morning. So we are about a week away from Christmas, so I'm pretty excited about that. I didn't get the memo to wear my red shirt and Christmas leggings. Um, I feel like I was left out of something special and fun. We didn't either. Yeah. Actually, I did. Hold on a second. (laughs) But with that being said, as we celebrate this joyous season, would you just take a moment and give each other a wave or a a, a greeting of some form? You can stand and do that if you want. Let's take a moment to greet those around us. Oh, 
folks, it's Christmas time. Let's sing a little bit. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. The stuffy Lord Jesus look down from the sky and say, Till morning is night It's Christmas The angels are singing And I know the reason The Savior is born Yes, it's Christmas The bells are ringing And I know that That song just makes me happy. It makes me happy. Isn't it just a joyful song? Let's sing this great song. My favorite, my wife's favorite song, The First Noel. 
poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where they they keep in their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep no thou long expected Jesus
God for sending your son on one glorious night to be born of a virgin to live a perfect life and to die on the cross for my sins thank you that he rose from the dead three days later and that this Christmas And every Christmas, we can celebrate the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And it's for that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Glad to be with you and to worship with you. I'm sharing a series of sermons uh, during the month of December on what the Christmas story teaches us about God. We want to think about God at Christmas. That sounds okay, doesn't it? Because the main character of the Christmas story, not the angels, not the wise men, not the shepherds, it's God. God's revealing himself to us. The main character of the whole Bible is God. The Bible is God's self-revelation. And we're seeing that his revelation is progressive. That is, he starts in the Old Testament and reveals some of his nature and character But with the New Testament, he reveals more of his nature and character. So the Christmas story is really a point of great revelation and knowledge about what God is like. So far this month, just review, we've learned that God is bigger than we ever imagined. We learned that we've, uh, at the Christmas story, we've learned that God is Father and Son. He has a Son, and the Father and Son have existed for all eternity in heaven. He's bigger, he's Trinity, bigger than we ever imagined. Last week, we learned that God is closer than we imagined. He's not only the transcendent God who's above and beyond everything, but he has revealed himself by the name Emmanuel. He's imminent. He's close by. He's with you in your daily life. And God revealed that aspect of himself in the Christmas story. His imminence. He's he's with us. Today, we want to learn that God is not only bigger than we imagined, not only closer than we imagined, he's kinder than we ever imagined. And the Christmas story reveals that God loves us. Now, the Old Testament talked about the love of God, certainly. In the Old Testament, in the Psalms, for example, a hundred times, it talks about the love of God. But the Christmas story reveals some depth and breadth 
to the love of God that we did not know before. And that's what we want to explore and celebrate today. To do that, we want to look at two passages that John wrote. I shared with you before that John uh, is sort of the interpreter of the Christmas story. Matthew and Luke tell us the events. John, in his writings, really often tells us the meaning of the Christmas story. So we're going to look at two passages in John's writing that help us to see how God's revealing his love. First of all, let's stop, start in his, one of his letters near the end of the Bible, 1 John chapter 4. Let me read to you verses 9 and 10 that share about the love of God at Christmas. 1 John 4, 9, it says, This is how God showed his love among us. So the word showed can be translated reveal, disclose, uncover. So here's the new revelation of God's love. This is how God revealed or showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So Christmas is evidence of God's love for us. This is how he showed us that he loves us. This is how we know. How do we know God loves us? We know he loves us, first of all, because of Christmas. He has sent. The word sent there is the word apostello in Greek. We get our word apostle from it. You know, an, an apostle, one of the human apostles, was one sent out on a mission trip. Well, the Father sent the Son. God sent his Son down from heaven. And it says in this verse that he sent his, what? His one and only son into the world. One and only son. King James translates it the only begotten son. And that was good for back then. But now, only begotten, doesn't that sound a little bit like there was a time when he wasn't and God begot him or created him or made him? And that's not what it means. The word here is, the Greek word is monogenes. Mono means one, right? Like if you're out a monorail, there's only one rail. If you got a monopoly, you got only one person in charge of everything. Mono, genes, that we get our word genetics from. It's his, his DNA. He's the monogenes. He's the one and only. He's the unique would be a good translation. Now, if you believe in Jesus, you can become a son or a daughter of Jesus, but not like him, or of, God, of the Father, but not like Jesus. He's the monogenes. He's the one and only. He's the unique son of God. God doesn't have any other sons like Jesus. He's his one and only son. So they had lived together in heaven for all eternity, and they had loved one another for all eternity. There had never been a time when the Father and the Son wasn't together, and they're loving one another for all eternity. And now comes something new. The Father sent His one and only Son into the world. I, I just try to imagine what that scene in heaven would have been like. I, I can't fathom it. Can you? Father and the Son for all eternity have been together in heaven in a love relationship. And now the Father, God, sent His one and only Son. What was it like when, the, when God said goodbye to his son, when he sent him? I, I can't imagine that. Can you? Oh, the depth of his love for us. This is how we know 
This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Then verse 10 continues that and tells us another part of that. Verse 10 says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So our love for God, we're supposed to love God, but that's derivative, that's secondary. Primary is God's love for us. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So now it brings his death into the picture. Verse 9 is about Christmas. Verse 10 is about the cross. The two reasons, the two ways that God showed his love for you is he sent his son into the world at Christmas and he sent him to the cross. This word atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's propitiation. It's turning away the wrath of God. How, how can we understand that a God would love us and have to turn his wrath away? Let me tell you a story that maybe help you understand it. Helps me a little bit. My wife, Cindy, grew up in a small town, North Georgia, McKaysville, Georgia, sort of like Mayberry. It had one police car, um, a, a police chief, maybe a deputy. I'm not sure if they had a deputy or not, but one, one police car. And right across from the police station in City Hall, one little building there in McKaysville, uh, there's a Y, an intersection in the, high, in the road, the street, that's like a Y that you, you angle in. In the midst of that Y, is a monument to World War II soldiers that died in the war that, that came from McCaslin. So if you're coming in that Y, you have to look over your shoulder and sort of around the monument, it's a yield sign, and you, in front of the police station there, you, you're yielding, you look over your shoulder to make sure nothing's coming, and you sort of have to look around the monument, okay? You got the idea? So the one police car, when I was growing up, driven by the police chief is coming up that road and this car fails to yield and hits the one police car and it was his wife <laughs> the police chief's wife so his own wife hit him what what did he do he wrote her a citation for failing to yield and then he paid the fine that he just wrote her. He wrote the citation because he's an officer of the law, and that is the just and the right thing to do. He wrote her a citation because he, all, uh, he, he paid her fine because he also loved her, and he is her husband. And that's what you have in this word right here, atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is a God who is just and righteous, and you're going to die for your sins. That's what he told us it would be. That is the whole nature of the just moral nature of the universe and yet God also loves you, and so the God whose wrath is against you and who you're going to die for your sin is also the God who loves you, who sent his one and only son into the world that you might live through him and to become atoning sacrifice for your sins. Isn't that amazing? That's the depth of the love of God that we really had not seen before Christmas. And here it's revealed. Christmas, verse 9, and the cross, verse 10, reveal the love of God to you as if we, we had never seen it before. And you really need to get this and you really need to hang on to this because there are going to be times in your life perhaps when you're not sure God loves you because circumstances in your life 
make you wonder if God loves you. And so when you, when you don't feel loved or when you're not sure, then how do you know? You go back to Christmas and the cross. This is how God showed that he loved you. Let me give you an illustration again, maybe to help understand this. Uh, so, if I brought a yardstick up here and stood it on the floor by this podium, how many of you think that this podium, this stand, is taller than a yard? 36 inches, 3 feet, stand a yardstick up here. How many of you think that this podium is taller than a yard? How many of you are not going to buy into this no matter what I, I say? Okay. So we're going to see. i got a low-tech visual aid. i got a yardstick here. I'm going to stand our yardstick up, and we're going to see if you're right. What does that say right there, Todd? Read that to us. It says yardstick on it. That's right. It's a yardstick. It's because it says it's a yardstick. Well, you all are wrong because this is not taller than a yard. I've got a yardstick, and it's, it's shorter than a yard. Now, you might protest, that's not a real yardstick, and you would be right. Uh, that's not an official yardstick, right? That's not an accurate yardstick. This is an official yardstick, an accurate yardstick, and so if we stood this yardstick by the podium, you would be right. This podium is taller than one yard tall, right? So here's what we do in life. We come to hard times in our life and we conclude God doesn't love me because I'm having a tough time. And if God really loved me, my kid wouldn't have got sick, my mom wouldn't have got cancer, I wouldn't have lost my job when I've worked at it for 20 years. And so we conclude there can't be a loving God. You know what we're doing? We're just as foolish as me who made this yardstick and said, this is my yardstick. This is how I'm going to measure the love of God by my circumstances. If God loved me, I wouldn't be experiencing this. And that's not what the Bible says. You need to go back to the right yardstick. And when you get in circumstances where you think that God doesn't love you, remember, this is how he showed us that he loves us. He sent his one and only son in the world that we might live in him. This is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You ever heard of the, uh, the music group Cademan's Call? In the 1990s and the 2000s, Cademan's Call was a, uh, a very popular Christian group. Had a lot of great songs. Um, God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, Lord of heaven and earth. That's probably one of their most famous. You know that song? Great, great contribution to Christian music. Derek Webb, the lead singer of Cademan's Call, recent interview I read, says, I'm not a Christian anymore. Don't believe anymore. Not a Christian. Don't believe there's a God. To quote, to quote Derek Webb, he said, he's had some suffering in his life. He's had some problems in his life. And to quote him, he said, Either there's no God and it's all chaos, or he's all-powerful and he's a blank, blank, and he hits, used two words that I would, would never use and tell you. He said it's got to be one of the two. So what's happened with Derek Webb? I don't know him. I don't know. 
But my guess is he's begun to use the wrong yardstick to measure God's love for him. He's saying, because of what's happened in my life, God's love doesn't measure up. He doesn't love me. There will be times in your life when perhaps that is true, and you've got to remember the official yardstick, the real yardstick, the accurate yardstick, the standard. It's here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It's Christmas and the cross. That's how you know God loves you. Can I read it one more time? Verse 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Let's look at one more verse from John's writings that interpret the Christmas story and share the, the breadth of God's love that we had not known before Christmas. It's John 3.16. You probably know this verse. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. So, here's a new dimension to God's love that hadn't been as clearly stated before. The Old Testament had emphasized the elective love of God for Israel as his chosen people. That God had loved Israel uniquely and had chosen Israel in order to be a blessing. I'll read to you just a couple of verses. Let's, let's uh, look back at the Old Testament for just a moment to get that background. Sort of what the Old Testament main emphasis was. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you're the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God loved the people of Israel uniquely. And so some of them began to think of that as an exclusive terms. That means he loves me and he doesn't love you Gentiles. And they became proud in that chosen status and that he loves only me. And now God makes it clear, no, I loved you uniquely in order that I might bless the world. At Christmas he's revealing my real love was for the whole world and I've loved you uniquely because this is my plan to show my love for the world. And now it's revealed, now it's unveiled, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, John 3.16 tells us that God loves the world. He loves everyone. You can put your name in there. God loved you. God loves everyone. For God so loved the world. You see that little word so? It's an adverb in Greek that can tra be translated to mean degree or manner. And so the New Living Translation said God loved us so much. That's degree. Another translation has it that God loved us so, so much. Or it can be translated in manner in the Christian Standard Bible. And this is why our, our Bible drillers last year had sort of trouble because they knew John 3.16. And all of a sudden, here's this translation, for God loved the world in this way. So this can mean degree or, again, evidence, manner in which he's loved us. Probably John intended both. John often has double intentions in the words that he selects, and probably here he means both. This is the degree that God loves you, the world, and this is the manner that God loves the world. What is it? For God so loved the world that he gave. So in his letters, he had used the word sent, apostello, emphasizing the mission that the, the 
Father sent out the Son. Now he uses the word gave. And again, I think it has a double meaning of both Christmas and the cross. He gave his Son. He gave him up. He left heaven, crossed the Milky Way, came to planet Earth and became a human being. And God gave up his Son. But the second part of it is he gave him up to die upon the cross, a horrible death for our sins. So again, that double meaning for God so loved the world that he gave, here it is again, his only begotten or his unique, his monogenes, his one and only son. So if God loves the whole world, does that mean that everybody's good, that everybody's going to heaven? No, our default is that we will all perish. We're all going to hell. We're all lost. We're all going to pay for our sins. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Believes, notice it says believes with a preposition, believes in him or on him. That's to show in the New Testament, it uses this way, that it doesn't just mean I believe some facts about him. Yes, I can give a mental assent. Okay, I believe Jesus was a man. I believe he died. I believe even he rose again. Okay, I'm good. I'm going to heaven, right? No, it's believing in him, which means to trust. It means a relationship. It means a reliance. You believe in him. There's a sense of commitment of your life to him. So it is a faith that you'll depend upon him, not just that mental ascension, and that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Would you like to have eternal life today? That's what he's offering through Christmas, through the coming of his son Jesus, that if you believe in him, you can start living forever right now. You can have now a, a present possession of eternal life within you, that even though you pass through death, Jesus would later say, he who believes in me will live even though he dies, and he who lives and believes in me will never die. Max Licato gave four little statements that I think are a great outline of this verse. It would be great for you to memorize so that you would understand the plan of salvation so that you could share it with somebody else. David Level, First Baptist Millington, has been president of Tennessee Baptist Convention this year. He's made this his mantra. He shared it all across the state. I want to share it with you. Four little sentences that sum up John 3.16. God gave, excuse me, God loves, God gave, you believe, you live. God gave, for God, God loves, for God so loved the world. God gave, that he gave his one only son. You believe, that whoever believes in him, you live. Should not perish, but have eternal life. Would you say those four with me? God loves, God gave, we believe, we live. Let's say it together. God loves, God gave, we believe, we live. That's the message of Christmas. Today, have you believed in Jesus? Do you have eternal life? Have you responded to the love and the giving of God? You could today. Maybe you're a child here, an older child, and you can understand this. Maybe you're a teenager, and you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior. Today can be that day that you can begin to have eternal life. You're going to perish. And if you die in this state, then you're in a state of eternal death. No hope, no change. But today, you can possess eternal life because God loves and He gave. And if you'll believe, you can live. Maybe you're a, a senior adult and you've lived a lot of your life and it's hard now to sort of change. I recognize that. 
But oh, if you come to the point of realizing that there's something better, wouldn't it be foolish not to make this move? Why don't you right now believe in Jesus? Yes, it's going to mean more than just believing the facts I've shared. It's going to mean a reliance of your life, a commitment to Him, a dependence on Him, and a relationship of obedience and lordship like we saw depicted in baptism. But if you'll believe in Him, you can possess eternal life. Your sins will be forgiven. You will not perish. That's the good news of Christmas. That's why we celebrate. Right now, would you call out to God in your heart, even with your eyes open, looking at me, He can hear you. You don't know for sure that you're going to go to heaven. You don't have the gift of eternal life. You've sinned. You're going to have to pay for those sins. You you're, understand what I've shared. Would you just say right now in your heart, Jesus, I believe in you. I, I believe this message, and I'm going to commit my life to you. And I want to receive the gift of eternal life that you would give me right now. Would you just say something like that to him right now in prayer? And today, you can have that gift of eternal life. Bow your heads with me. If you haven't prayed that now in this moment of prayer, would you pray? God, thank you that you loved me. Thank you for giving Jesus to come to earth and to die on the cross for my sins. I believe in you. I will follow you. I will be baptized. I receive the gift of eternal life that from this moment forward, I know I'll go to heaven. I have your spirit, your help, and your hope within me. You may not have been able to follow all those words as I said them quickly, but if that's the intent of your heart, would you say to him right now, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. And then when we end this prayer, we're going to begin singing. And I'm going to ask you to step out from your, where you're standing and come and meet me to unashamedly declare, I'm a Christian now. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'll be baptized. I'll seek to live for him. I've received the gift of eternal life. Oh, Jesus, hear these prayers. By your grace, I pray in your name. Amen. Stand together with me. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, would you, as soon as we start to sing, make your way down and share that. If today you need a church home, you can also come and join this church. Let's sing together. Everyone needs compassion A love that's never failing Let mercy fall on me Everyone needs forgiveness The kindness of a Savior The hope of nations Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. your prayer so take me as you find me sticking to him all my fears and failures and fill my life again 
give it. Give my life to follow everything I believe in. Do you surrender today? Now I surrender. I surrender. Oh Lord, you are our Savior. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, you can move the mountains. My God, you're mighty to save. You are mighty to save. You are forever. You're forever. Author of salvation. You rose to conquer the grave. You rose to conquer the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Yes, he did. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We're going to give our offerings now in worship to a good, good God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you're such an awesome God. Lord, we thank you for sending your Son, allowing your Son to be crucified for us. Lord, thank you for the many blessings that you give to us, this community, this fellowship, and this leadership. Lord, we ask a blessing for this tithe. In Jesus' name, amen. brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks the new and glorious morn.
divine Oh night When Christ was born His law is love and His gospel is peace. Chains shall He break for the slave is our brother and in His name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of in grateful chorus raise we let all within us praise his holy name Christ is the Lord oh praise his name forever no
I want to encourage you to uh, stay for our connection groups. If you're new with us, if you go to the Welcome Center up the ramp, there's somebody there right now, show you a list, help you to find groups, got groups for all ages. That's the way to get connected in our church. I want to encourage you to invite somebody to Christmas services to come with you. Great time to invite somebody. Have our normal services next Sunday on the 23rd, and then a week from tomorrow on Christmas Eve, we have two Christmas Eve services, identical services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., so you can choose either one of those Monday evening, next Monday, December 20, week from tomorrow, December 24th. We have candlelight Lord's Supper, have Christmas carols, have a time for children on stage, have a gift for kids. So uh, I encourage you to bring your family, if you're in town, to come and worship uh, in that great time with us. As Tim comes to lead us in prayer, uh, I want to share a prayer request with you. Uh, we have a member of our church who was killed in a car wreck last night, Michael Freeland, killed last night in a car wreck on I-24. His wife is Jennifer. His children are Lance and uh, Elise and Conlon. And so we just want to lift them up in prayer. Would you pray for them today and for this, this week? Uh, the Freeland family, Jennifer and, and uh, Lance and Elise and Conlon. So I've asked Tim as he prays for us as we go, would you also include praying for these? Thank you. Finally, if you're a first-time guest with us, we want to invite you to meet our lead pastor and his wife. They'll be out at the welcome desk, so as you exit the sanctuary, head down to your left, and you'll see them there. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you um, just to hear about your love and be reminded of the love that you have for us. Lord, let us not forget about how much you love us, maybe in the trials or in the difficult times. Lord, I just want to pray for the Freeland family and pray for Jennifer and the kids. Uh, Lord, I pray that you just comfort them during this, I know, a very difficult time for them. And so, uh, Lord, uh, help just to give them peace and, and give them uh, answers. And I, I know this is difficult for the kids, especially in their ages. And so, Father, I just pray that you wrap your loving arms around them. And in the midst of this, that you show them how much you care about them and how much you love them. And that you've, you're carrying them through this difficult time. God, it's in your sins, and we pray. Amen. Oh, in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus laid down.